we are in our series called Shadows. And any time you see a shadow, it is proof that there is light. And each week what we are doing is looking at the shadows that prove that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And this week, the shadow or the shadows are miracles. Miracles, listen, miracles are proof that there is a God who gets involved in our lives and gets involved with creation. Miracles are in a way about life and death. There's a struggle. There's a fight over life and death. And if, listen, if there is no God, or if there's a God who doesn't get involved with creation, then in the end, death wins. But if we do have a God, and he does get involved with creation and in our lives, then that means we have hope. And that is the beginning, that is the kernel of miracles. Now, I want you to know this. Easter is not about bunnies that lay eggs. No. Easter is about life and death. It's not about peeps either. No, it's not about the, the those are really good though. Um, Easter, in a very real way, is a war against death. And it's the miracle out of which all other miracles flow, Easter. So the enemy of humanity, the enemy of your friends, the enemy of your family, do you know what it is? It is death. Easter is death's death sentence. It's, th- it's like, so, so Easter is death's death sentence, and a miracle is like a karate chop to death. So miracles are a shadow of Easter. So we are in John 4, verses 46 through into chapter 5, verse 9. So I'm going to read that. That's up on the screen if you want to follow along. So he came again into Cana in Galilee, where he had made water, wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all of his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. After this... There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethsa, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, 
Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Our Bible verses have two miracles in them. Jesus is healing a paralyzed man and healing someone who is about to die. Now, first let's understand what miracles are. Miracles, this is what St. Augustine says, miracles are not a contradiction to nature. Miracles are a contradiction to what we know about nature. Another way to think about it is this. Miracles aren't breaking the rules of science. They are violating what we understand about science. They're bending our minds and they're bending reality in a way that we don't understand. A miracle is when something outside of space and time enters into space and time, gets involved with space and time. So we're in this ecosystem, right? We're in this grand ecosystem. And a miracle is when the ecosystem experiences something that is out of the norm. Because something outside the ecosystem has gotten involved. So you can think of it like this. There's, think of this huge fish tank. And within this huge fish tank is this grand ecosystem. But the fish tank has been abandoned. Now the pH is fine and it's still working. It's still pumping water. But no one's there to feed the fish. So what's happening is the fish are eating each other. Because they're trying to stay alive. They're, they want to live, they don't want to die, and so they're eating each other. But then what happens, the sky one day opens up, and these breadcrumb-like things start falling into the fish tank. And it's food for the fish. And when that happens, death stops because the fish stop eating each other. So what's happened is, some humans have found this abandoned warehouse and there's this grand ecosystem of this fi big fish tank in there and they got involved with what's going on in the fish tank. They start taking care of them. Now the fish would say, this is a miracle. But we would say, no, it's not a big deal. Just something outside of their ecosystem, something much grander than them has gotten involved with the ecosystem. We know, listen, we know the science behind this. We know the logic behind this, but the fish don't. To us, that's no big deal. But to the fish, it's a miracle. Why can't they explain what happened? Because something outside of their ecosystem has come into it. Everything's happening from outside of it, so they can't understand it. A miracle is when God, who is outside of our ecosystem, gets involved with our ecosystem. We can't explain the science of what is going on. We just know that something has happened that our science cannot explain, just like the fish. Now, two things would make a miracle impossible. If there is no God then a miracle simply can't happen because there's nobody there to open up the fish tank and put some food in. 
The other reason a miracle would be impossible is if the fish tank is closed. If the system is closed, then that means that nothing from outside of the system could enter in. But if there is a God and he can get involved with our lives and wish, with creation, then miracles are possible. Now, I'm naturally a skeptical person. So when I hear miracle stories, a lot of the times I don't believe them. Not because I'm skeptical of if God can get involved with creation or if I'm skeptical of miracles, but I'm skeptical of people. I once heard a guy tell a church full of people that he was on this bridge that was 20 feet high. And then the bridge broke. And he said, but he just floated. And then he said, if Peter can walk on the water, then I can float in the air. And so essentially he's saying he's flying. I didn't believe this guy. I didn't trust him. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe that there is a God who can get involved with creation. Here's the problem for us. If you insist, if you insist that everything must be explained by science, then you have a closed ecosystem. And anything that drops, listen, anything that drops into the fish tank has to be explained by the rules of the fish tank. But you and I know that the rules of the fish tank don't apply to the human that's feeding the fish inside of the fish tank. So if you are a fish inside the fish tank insisting that everything must be explained by the rules of the fish tank, here's what happens. You never get to discover and meet the human that is feeding you. You can't discover him. It's similar, it's similar to this. When people said that the earth was flat, Nobody wanted to believe that it was round. And if you were going to believe that it was round, it would mean that you would have to take the risk to go sail off the edge of the earth. But if you took the risk, you would find out that, in fact, the earth is round. You can't discover God unless you believe he's outside of the fish tank. The question about miracles is this. Is there a God and does he get involved with creation? If he doesn't or if there's no God, then miracles are not possible. But if he does, then that means that miracles are possible. Here's what you have to understand. Both are faith positions. To say that there is a God who gets involved with creation is a faith position. But to say that there isn't a God or that God can't get involved with creation is also a faith position. You can't prove it because you're inside of the fish tank and everything is happening outside of it. But understand this, that if you are saying that there is no God or that God can't get involved with the fish tank, if you're saying that, then what you have to realize is that that means all that there is is the fish tank and nothing else. That's it. So logically, you have to understand this. In order to discover the human that is feeding you, if you're the fish, you have to actually believe that he is there. And the same is with God. If you don't believe he's there, you're, you're never going to discover him. It's like, I believe so that I might understand him. 
I want to encourage you to just doubt your doubts a little bit about miracles. There's a whole world outside of the ecosystem. You just have to look outside of the fish tank. And once you allow yourself to look outside of the fish tank, you'll discover what miracles are pointing you to. You're going to see something that's actually far greater than miracles. Miracles are pointing us to a God and a world that is without death, outside of our ecosystem. Remember what happened when the hand started feeding the fish in the fish tank? Death stopped because before that, in order for a fish to live, it had to eat another fish. It had to consume something. So in order for life to happen, death had to happen to another fish. Well, when the, when the hand gets involved, death stops. At least the way it did before. And that is why miracles are like a karate chop to death. They're not destroying death completely, but they're wounding it. They're hitting it. They're slowing it down. And here's the other thing. Miracles are proof, if there are miracles happening, miracles are proof that there is something outside of the fish tank getting involved. But if this is all there is, then in the end, death just wins. But the great hope of Christianity is that there is a God and he does get involved. And the hope is that he's a God who can reach his hand into the fish tank and transport you into another fish tank where there is not death. In the movie, The Karate Kid, you guys know The Karate Kid? Okay, in the movie, The Karate Kid, he's fighting against like this great dojo. And, you know, Danielson, he's, he's, got, like a, he's, he's got a heart like a lion. And so at the end, he has the famous crane kick. I'm not going to do it because my shoe might fly off and hit one of you, and I would feel bad about that. Um, but he does the famous crane kick at the end. Miracles, each miracle is like a crane kick against death. Miracles are showing us also that there is a fight against death, and it's showing us that death is not something we're made for that there's hope. Our hope is that there is this final crane kick against death that destroys death itself. Now, to believe in miracles is to believe that there is something or someone powerful enough to come and get involved with creation and rescue you from the fish tank. But I have a question. Why are you fighting death? Because you are made for a world that is without it. Some of you are tricking yourself. You're tricking your desires. You're telling yourself that the system couldn't be opened. It's too good to be true. For some reason, you will not allow yourself to hope. Look, there is a God who's knocking on the fish tank saying, I am here. I'm the one who's been feeding you this whole time. And some of you, you've been Christians for a long time. 
but you're so consumed with life inside of the ecosystem that you're not actually looking out and seeing the God who is there taking care of you. You can't fix your eyes on the God who's outside of the fish tank. Some of you have no hope because you're living like there's nothing outside of the fish tank. And that's the, if there is nothing outside of the fish tank, then death wins. And that's actually a very logical thing to do. But you're living like, you're, listen, you're living like the doors can't be opened. You're praying like the doors can't be opened. You're worrying like the doors can't be opened. And you're reading the Bible like, like the doors can't be opened. You're reading the Bible like this blueprint of what life is like inside of the ecosystem. But that's not what the Bible is. The Bible is a book about life outside of the ecosystem and the God who is outside of this ecosystem. So that you might meet him and know him and find him. So how do you find him? The key to finding him is to understand why the heck the system is closed in the first place. Why did he create, why did he create a system of death or did he? And could it be that the doors have actually been opened up again? And could it be that really it's him finding us and he's opening up the doors so first, why, why are the doors closed and why does death win in the end right now? I mean, he created it this way, right? No. Here's what happened. The ecosystem once did not have death. There was a time when it was without death. The fish swam free. There was no glass in the fish tank separating the worlds. The worlds were all one. There was nothing separating. Here's what happened. We wanted God out. We're the ones who closed off the ecosystem. We wanted him out. We wanted a world without him. We said, God, we want a world without you. So when the Bible talks about Jesus, it says he is life. It doesn't just say he makes life. It's that he himself is life. And so when you want the God who is life out of the ecosystem, it brings death in. In the fish tank right now, death is always winning. It's stronger than life. Eventually... It wears life down and wins. Life can hold off death for a time, but eventually it wins. What we are looking for is that final blow to death, that final crane kick. See, in our ecosystem, the way that it is now, death is very natural, but it's completely unnatural for the world we are made for. That is why we hate death. If it, if it were natural, we wouldn't get so upset about it, but it violates the deepest longings of our souls. You know, you know how I know that you don't believe in survival of the fittest? Because if you fell into a cage with a gorilla, you wouldn't say, well, you know, 
survival of the fittest. So I'm here. Death's going to win in the end. So I might as well see what happens. So, uh, and you start a boxing match with the gorilla. You wouldn't do that. You would say, get me the heck out of here. This thing's about to kill me. Look at what Jesus does. He doesn't go to the fittest. He goes to the weakest. He goes to those who are about to die. He goes to those who are paralyzed. And he rescues them. We, if we are in a world that is survival of the fittest, do you know what wins in the end? Do you know what is most fit? It is death. Death wins if it's survival of the fittest. We can hold it off for a period of time, but in the end it catches up to us and it threatens us at every single turn. And here's the thing about death. We don't realize how unnatural it is until it begins to affect us. Until we've lost someone. Until our bodies start breaking down. When we see someone die young, when we see someone suffer young, we say, this is not how it ought to be. There's something wrong here. Listen to me. We are all young to God. We are all like babies. Death was never supposed to be part of our story but we brought it into the ecosystem. But the good news is that God has come to break open the fish tank and give us the ocean that we are made for. So here's how he does it. Even though we wanted him out of the ecosystem, he still kept sustaining us the whole time. But... God still desires more for us. Even though he's been sustaining us, he still desires more for us. He doesn't want to leave us this way. He's determined to destroy death and give us the world that we long for. So he does something that's never been done before. In the past, he just reached his hand into the fish tank. But now he enters all the way in. He becomes part of our ecosystem. He blends in. He becomes one of us. And that is what Christmas is. But today is Easter. And just before Easter, Jesus, the one who sustains us, the one who cared for us, the one who loved us even though we wanted him out, he entered into the ecosystem. The hand came in. And we arrested him. We whipped him. We mocked him and we gave him a cross that we would later crucify him with. The hand entered all the way in and we cut it with a knife. Did you hear that? The hand entered all the way in and we cut it with a knife. Now here's the beauty. Here's the beauty of what God does, how he fixes our ecosystem. So he became one of us. He became subject to death, even though he is life. He did here. And here's what he did. He tricked death. And he used the knife that we had to cut him. He used that to stab and destroy death. He used the cross. So death again thought it won on the cross. 
But on the cross, when Jesus died, he let death take him completely. And while he was inside of death, he started doing something that death had never experienced before, that hurt death to the core. He started creating life. He created life inside of death, and that's what destroyed death. This is what the resurrection is all about, and this is what Easter is all about. The death of death, life is now winning, and it has now won. You are made for a world that is without death, and it's actually that world is more real than the world that you are in now. This world is artificial. This world is the fish tank. This world is temporary. It's not lasting. The world that you are made for is the ocean of God's kingdom. Do you know what faith is? Faith means that you have grabbed hold of Christ who is life within an ecosystem of death. Faith means that you have grabbed the hand that has reached in and he has taken you up out of this world and he's bringing you into another world. Remember, you'll never experience him unless you believe he is there. So go take the chance. Risk seeming foolish. Lay down your pride, maybe. You'll find it was the smartest thing you've ever done. Go look outside of the glass. Press your nose up against the glass, and you will see outside of the glass the world that you were made for. Let's pray. God, we pray that we would learn to do this. That we would put our face right up to the glass so that we might look out and see you there. God, remove the veil that's covering the glass so we might see you, so we might know you so we might believe in you, and so that we might have hope that death doesn't win in the end, but there is life, there is eternal life, and it doesn't end, life does not end here, but it keeps going on and on and on. God, teach us to hope in you. Teach us to take the risk and say we believe. God, make us desperate enough We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.